Hey everybody, I'm here with Travis Carter. We were just talking, we actually, um, we were trying to figure out if we'd ever officially met. We're 80% sure we, we may have met at one point. Uh, so anyways, we were just talking about that and then talking about uh, common areas, so. Yeah, so you were saying, me, go ahead. I was gonna say, remind me when you got, when you got home. I got home at the end of 2014. Oh, okay, great. And and how about you? When did you serve? Because you're you're older in the mission, I know by ways. I think. Yeah. So I served May. I, I started June 2011 and ended June 2013, basically. Got it. So you had been out like, uh, oh gosh, I came out in November of 2012. So you'd been out over over a year, well over a year by that point. So we overlapped by maybe six months or so. Yeah. You came out like the same time as Kalen Wall or just after him? I think the transfer after Kalen, I came out. So you weren't as late as like Elder Turner, Elder Harrison. They were a little later. I remember they trained each other basically in Rochester. <laughs> um, yeah, nice. So you were talking about your areas and we were trying to see where we overlapped. Where Walk me through what areas you served uh, on your mission. So I started in Weaver Lake. Okay. Um, I was there for my training for the two transfers, and then I went to lacrosse for one transfer. And then I was in North Branch for two transfers, which is that farthest south in the Duluth zone. Okay. Uh-huh. And then, and then I was in West St. Paul for like, I think it was five transfers, and then I was in Rochester for the rest of the mission. Got it. Got it. So we're, we, we're, we both ended our missions in Rochester. I, it seems like that's the big that's the big overlap. How long were you in in Rochester? Um, I got there I think in August, and then I ended in May. So I think it was seven transfers actually. It was my last seven transfers. Wow, wow, yeah. I I don't know what it is about Rochester because I was this, I was there I think a year, almost a full year. I don't remember how many transfers it was, but it was like half my mission was yeah. in Rochester. <laughs> Yeah, but you were in the same. So when I got down there, we were in the second and fourth ward. And then they brought in another set of missionaries. We were only the fourth ward. And then they had to take a car away. But the leaders needed a car. And the fourth ward was the only area small enough to not have a car. So we switched and then went to first and fifth ward. So, like, I was in Rochester forever, but I was in, like, all the wards. So it was like I got transferred a bit around there. Totally. So you got to know. And it's sweet. Like, tell me what you thought about Like, I... I still, and I think I remember it with rose-tinted glasses, right? But for the longest time, I'm like, man, I want to move back to Rochester. Like, that place was sweet. But I, I don't know. Like, what what did you think of Rochester? I was mostly there in the winter. And, like, I I hate the it being dark so much. So mm. a lot of my memories have, like, like a dark background to them <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but not, not that they're bad. Like, Rochester, yeah. I loved the people in Rochester. Like I still, I talked to a bunch of the members from Rochester. I've hung out with them. I, I've gone up to Idaho and visited some of the members I knew there. If you knew, if you knew like the Scots, um, there, you would have known Joseph and Mariah and probably Desiree Scott. I believe. Oh yes, yes, that sounds super familiar. Yeah, so they have a bunch of boys that are super close together, and I was there over Christmas break, so they were home, and then one of the boys stayed home the next semester. 
And then when I left, I, I like ran 10K with some of them. I've like gone to their houses for dinner and stuff. And, um, and then awesome. obviously you probably, you know, the freeze. I've stayed in contact with the freeze or, uh, yeah, the freeze. So like Scott and Jana free. Um, yes, I think it yeah. sounds familiar, but yeah, I think so. Yeah. But I talk to them all the time and like all of the kids I've seen them all come out here and met up with them. I worked with one for a while and stuff. And like anytime the parents come out and visit, I always see them and everything. It's a great time. That's awesome, dude. I love that. Um, what was I going to ask you? I don't remember. Oh, 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 wait. So, oh yeah, that's right. The age change. So the age change, I, I already had my call and then the mm -hmm. age change happened pretty soon after. So, so Kaylin and then my group, my group was one of the last ones I think that wasn't like overrun with age change. Like I remember the MTC, there was like one person, one sister raised her hand was like, yeah, I was affected by the age change. Well, maybe there was another transfer too that, that, that was that way. And then it was just like a flood of people. Yeah, but that was that was like things. at the end of your like near probably in the last six months of your mission or so. Yeah, and I don't remember the specific numbers, but I remember like the age change happened in October, and then the first transfer of the year, like in January, we had like fifteen sisters come out, and that was like the mission had never even had like more than eighteen sisters total. And then like <laughs> the next three transfers had a bunch of sisters. And I think more than half of those sisters went home before I did. And it was just like nuts. Just like people coming out, people going home like every week. It was crazy. Oh my gosh. It's so funny because I think you, you know, we, we definitely had a lot of similarities in our mission, but you were there in a unique time. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it was like, I just, I just always felt like it was like controlled chaos and I was used to like the revolving door of like, yeah, yeah people just go home in this mission. You know what <laughs> I mean? And so that was that kind of uncommon to your experience. Like that what people were not going home as, as much earlier in your mission. No. And it was for like very specific reasons. Like my NTC companion, I was also his companion in North branch and he got sent home early. And one of my early zone leaders got sent home early because they just like, as far as I, I don't know the details, but they like did some stupid and it's just like, you, you have to go home now. Like it was like, kind of yeah. Stuff. Um, and so, yeah, we didn't have missionaries go home very often, except for ones that were like really struggling. But then we just had all of these missionaries go home and my, it was weird for my mission too. Cause I was the last group and there were like, I think 20 missionaries that came out with my group when I started, which was big at the time, especially. Yeah. And we were the last group to our, the whole training program that's two transfers it was still called the pilot program so we were like the minister mission was a test mission for that program and our group it, it wasn't official yet and so we came out and like our second transfer in the program they made it official for the whole like church kind of thing and so like wow. we like we're like the butt ends of like two very interesting things and so <laughs> yeah that's fascinating i didn't even know it was so new yeah that it was like like a year old at that point that's crazy. Um, man, I am blanking again. But anyway, so so fill fill in the gaps for us. You you came so you came home in two thousand eleven, mm -hmm. um, and then what 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 all has transpired since then? That was 
freak. How long ago was that? Ten years? Uh, yes. I no. came home in 2013. Came, I you left in 2011. You came yeah. home and, okay, I was like, something is off about my math. Yeah. You <laughs> came a year, year before. So that was uh, eight years ago. Yeah. Eight years ago you came Almost home. Almost now. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, I that's weird. I haven't thought about it like that in a while. I did think the other day, like I started my mission almost ten years ago. So weird. <laughs> but but yeah, so I um yeah, I'm a I'm a, a BYU guy, so I did a year just like everybody else back then. <laughs> I did a year of school before I left on my mission. Um and so I, I came to BYU. I I'm originally from Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, okay. Uh, and so I did a year at BYU. I lived with my older brother. Went back to Nashville while I was on my mission. My parents moved to Utah, so I came home to Utah, um, which was weird, like a huge letdown. But you know. <laughs> so have you? Did you go back and like visit friends and stuff? Or yeah, I've gone. I've gone back probably. I probably go back like a little more than every other summer. I'll go back and spend. Like, oh a week. wow, wow. Yeah. Okay, so you were able to have some bookends there. It yeah. wasn't a total. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so then I came back to Utah and then I lived with my younger brother before his mission, um, that first year back, which was awesome in the exact same apartment, which is double. <laughs> um, and there that year I met my wife, uh, that, that year of school. So I just started, I was at home during the summer, moved into the apartment for the fall, started school, met my wife. Um, and then the next summer we got married. And then I was in school until 2018. So I did, I took six years of doing every fall, winter semester to get my undergrad. <laughs> I don't, I don't recommend that. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what did you study? So my degree is, in, it's called experience design and management. Um, it's the recreation management program, but at BYU, they put it in the business school. So it's uh, basically recreation management applied to business. Um, it's a sweet major. Uh, if anybody isn't married, and they want to get some sort of business major. It's like eighty percent girls in the major. Um, <laughs> probably not like that. It's probably a little bounce, but there's still a lot of girls in the major. So, um, great place to be. <laughs> and and probably, I mean, because I have a couple of friends who all happen to be girls who went through that program, and they're all very adventurous, and yeah. you know, they're in it because they they like to do fun and wild stuff, you know. And so, that's if you're that seems like a a pretty You've got a good sample size of some exciting people who'd be down to go rock climbing and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. And like, it's also as far as uh, the business school goes, it's like super easy. Like compared to my friends doing finance, I did like 90% less actual schoolwork than them. And I probably got about the same grades and was like way happier than them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So they you, make a lot more money than me now, but I'm, I'm way happier. <laughs> it's it's all it's all about grades, though. It's all about it's not about money. It's about grades, good grades. <laughs> um, so that was you said 2018 is when you graduated. Yeah, yep. And then so in that time, I had two, my two boys. So Caleb, my older boy, he's about to turn five in June. Wow, yeah. five. That's Weird. insane. It comes on you fast, man. It just, you know, you're teaching them how to potty train and then they're going to school. And it's like, wait, what happened? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then my younger son, he turns three this month. Um, 
and his name's Tyson. He's awesome. And then my wife's also pregnant. We have a girl on the way. So we're excited about that. Wow. A little, a little quarantine. No, don't yeah. name her that. I don't know. And she was playing. So like, it was like, Sure, I guess it was during quarantine. I didn't really think about that, but it was always the plan. So, well, I mean, when a quarantine goes on for, you know, over a year, there's bound to be, there's bound to be, right? <clears throat> yep. And so, right out of college, I, um, well, I guess I should mention in college, the reason I stayed in college so long, and honestly, the reason I stayed in college at all, <laughs> was I performed with the dunk team with BYU. So doing oh, like, I did know this, and I think yeah. I've heard rumors of you from Rochester. I didn't realize it was you about the the gymnast Elder Carter who would do flips on trees and stuff like that. Okay, yeah, yeah some things are coming together for me. That's awesome. Yeah, and so I I got to perform with them a ton. Like I went to like every home basketball game and every home football game and. Got to perform a lot and while i was a student i was actually i worked in athletics and i was over the cosmo program i like managed it all so i did all of the scheduling and billing and helped around wow. the social thing and that was my life man it was awesome <laughs> so are yeah. you did you do gymnastics like as a kid like how did you how did you fall into that um i just learned stuff as a kid i think when i was i was like 13 and i could do flips on my brain my dad was like why don't you do it on the ground i'm like I don't know. And he's like, I'll spot you. And my dad's just really strong. And so I was just like, okay. And so I just tried it on the ground and I did it. And so ever since then, I just was, you know, the kid that did flips and, um, and I just ran into those. I happened to like run into those guys and like, you come try out. I'm like, sweet. And so I've just been doing flips and tricks and stuff ever since then. That is so awesome. I, I love some of that. I, I didn't start learning tumbling. I think till I was like 17, there mm -hmm. were some cute, um, cheer there was a cheerleader that i really wanted to date and they wanted uh, i was really into lifting at the time and so they wanted to compete in a co-ed competition so a lot of them used their kind of feminine charms to uh, pull some of us in and it was fun like it was so fun like the doing stunts was just a blast like throwing people in the air and stuff that was so much fun and then um i always wanted to tumble but i grew up really rural and so, and I, I was not a gutsy kid, you know, but luckily as a 17 year old, I was a bit more adventurous, you know? So I was like, this is the time, like, I want to learn how to do stuff, you know, like, and I was never at, a, at any, any kind of a caliber. I'm, I'm sure you operate now, but you know, I don't think it was till college. I finally got my standing backflip and I still never quite perfected the round off backflip. I just never got there even though that should be easier than a standing backflip. I, I don't know why. I think I struggle with momentum. I think I, I still need to put, put in some more time, but I miss that. I miss it. Like it, it, there's, there's a unique, you know how people are always like, Oh, sports, like you learn something so unique in sports or, or whatever. There's a unique lesson, at least for me, I felt like in gymnastics of like learning how to let go and not freaking out. Because it's like, you know, I, I played like soccer my whole life and yeah, there's some flow there, but nothing like gymnastics. You know what I mean? You can kind of push through, you can muscle through some things you can, you know, there's a, a lot of options like that. But with gymnastics, that, that second or two of just fear where you're like, 
I can't do anything till I'm at the peak of my jump. Like to take your brain and and be like, just shut up, brain. You know, like don't worry about flipping or we're gonna break our neck. You know, like we have to get up in the air before we can do anything. It's I don't know. I it's maybe I'm I'm waxing too philosophical about it, but I really think it it was a really important building block of like learning how to to not cinch down so tight and lead with fear and just recognize sometimes you got to be patient. I don't know. Does that make sense to you? I don't know if that rings no, true to you. Totally. I, uh, you just put words to why all the people who like could learn gymnastics and stuff don't. They just say that's scary and I might get hurt. So I'm not going to do that. But you explained like why it's scary and stuff. And really it's like, you have to basically what tumbling and flipping is, is put yourself in a really compromising position, but then land on your feet still. And so like, yeah. if they're at any point in that you bail or you give up or you do something wrong, like there's, pain that comes with it and for me i just i think because i always had a trampoline i loved jumping on it i naturally just grew up and learned how to fall without hurting myself yeah and so i've always been definitely overconfident in that ability so i'm like i'm willing to try anything i want because you know i'm like oh i'll be fine like i see the point where i could get hurt and i'll know not to land on my head kind of thing and um, when the mental game with tumbling is huge like i've seen some big dudes do a standing backflip who normally I would say like, no, you're not built for it. Like there is a real, like if you can conquer the mind, you can actually do a lot more than you think you can, you know, oh, yeah. with your body, your strength, whatever. We have Anyways. a couple of guys like working with the cosmos. There's a couple of guys you would see the last thing you would ever think about these dudes is, Oh, you're a cosmos and you do acrobatic stuff. They just look like normal, you know, 24 year old guys who like don't work out very much and are kind of pudgy but some of the stuff they do even for me who i, I look more a little more like an athlete oh I yeah no well you're thin you're long yeah i look at you and i'm like this guy can jump jump high that's that's what <laughs> i assume you know <clears throat> but yeah, yeah it's, that's uh, it's been my whole life and it's, it's one of those things where like you talk about like coming up getting over that fear and stuff like I love being in that realm and that mindset of like, oh, this is so like anytime it, like I get that thing, this is so scary. That almost always means I have to do it. And like, I will, I like generally will try almost anything. And um, it's just so awesome when you land it. And like when you, especially when you try and then like, you don't land it, but you didn't get hurt. You're like, okay, that was okay. I did the, okay. Now just go again and just fix yeah. it. The worst happened and everything was still okay. Exactly. Yeah. I say that all the time. I land and I say, that's the worst that can happen, right? And I look at the people around me and they're like, yeah, probably. I'm like, sweet. I'll, just go, I'll go again. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool, dude. I love that. Um, so anyways, you're saying you're doing the books, you were doing, uh, you were doing the dunk challenge. Um, and are you still associated with, with BYU in the last couple of years? What are you doing for, for work after graduating? So officially from BYU, I'm not, but they, two summers ago, they got to go perform in China with like mm. tons of performing groups and they were allowed to bring alumni. So I got to go to, with that the summer after, like two summers after I graduated, which was dope. And I still go practice with the guys. I still live in Provo, so I just practice with them all the time, um, you know, just to keep up on my skills, try to stay young. That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, but now, like officially... Um, as like a part-time side gig, I dunk with the jazz. It's just like we perform at like, you know, maybe 15 or 16 games a year kind of thing. Um, wow. 
And I've been doing that. I even did that my last year of college too, but I've been doing that since then. And so I still get to perform and stuff sometimes. I haven't in a while because of COVID obviously, but, um, but yeah, I'm still hired by them and everything. Um, but for my actual job, I worked at, right after I graduated, I worked at Provo Beach Resort as their head manager for a while. So they're a family fun center. So they have like a flow rider, like some bowling lanes, laser tag, arcade. So I helped manage that basically. Do they have um, one in Orem too? The beach resort? Um, no, they, they only have the one location. It's at the yeah. Riverwoods. So it's like, yeah, right yeah, yeah the Riverwoods. Is that yeah. technically Provo? Yeah. I yeah. think because I live in Orem and I live so close to that, I'm just like, oh yeah, that's Orem. Okay, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. I think, wait, when did you say you stopped working there? So I worked there right after I graduated in May of 2018 until basically the start of 2019, until December. I think there's some people in my wards who worked there that I think you would have known. Like youth? Uh, no, I think it was it's older. Essen Jenkins was her brother. Oh, Kara. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Kara's my coworker. We worked there basically the exact same time. We stopped working there at almost like to the week at the same time. Oh, uh, wow. Cool. She worked there forever. She's there for like, like probably almost 10 years. Yeah. That's, yeah. I, I didn't know her super well. And now yeah. they've moved. I don't know where they've moved to, but I know they've, they've at least moved out of the ward. But um, yeah, it sounded like they'd been there forever. She was like a super passionate about it. Oh yeah, and her husband's still there. She he's still like the maintenance guy there. I think he's still finishing school, so it's like a part time maintenance thing for him. Got it. Yeah. So you were at the the beach, the beach <laughs> resort, or whatever that, that place is called, and then yeah. uh, what was next? So then, at the end of 2018, um, the original Jazz Bear got fired. Um, and so his assistant took over the position and he needed an assistant. So I got hired as ja the jazz bears assistant Wow! So for the last like three years to, I guess that was not even two years. I did that, um, until COVID and everything. And I got laid off in September. So I was very low totem pole over there, but I had a lot of fun. So I worked, we worked in game ops. So we basically are our main, um, responsibilities were helping run all the promotions during the game. So like all the on-court things when we get, you know, get contestants and they play golf or they shoot a half-court shot or whatever. Um, and then we also manage the performers. So I was officially put over as like the manager of the dunk team too. Um, so I did that for a while and managed our like the hype team. And then like we had another girl who worked with us who managed the dancers and stuff. And so I worked in that whole department for, for like a year and a half. Which so you were, you were like, you are deep. You are deep in yeah. this. You love it. You are, you're just like any opportunity. I will take it because I just love doing these halftime shows and, and tumbling. Exactly. Honestly, if I, if I wasn't married um, or if I, if I hadn't had kids yet, I probably would have taken a job for another NBA team and been a mascot. Like some of the openings they had like around the country, I definitely would have been more qualified than the people they hired at the time. Um, mm. But uh my wife's Draper and like we, I never felt like I was needing to leave Utah. And so we've stuck around here and that job was perfect for me. I had a whole plan on like how to make the department make a ton of money. I, cause I, I did it all at BYU. At BYU, I helped Cosmo make a ton of right. money. I made all these plans of how to like increase the revenue of Cosmo and stuff. Like, and, and I put all these presentations together and then like I went to the NBA where they're like actually willing to, make money and spend money and like they were all for it 
so I had all these plans. I had like a set plan of like the raises I would get and like my career path and stuff. And I was doing so many cool things. And then COVID hit, I got furloughed and then I got laid off. And then like, if anybody's not familiar with NBA, the Utah Jazz sold. So they got a new owner and then the new owner came in and like cleaned house. Like they were like senior VPs that he just laid off because of a reduction of workforce. But they were guys who wow. like, I knew got their jobs partially because they knew stuff about other higher ups. And like, it was very typical of what you think the entertainment industry would be. Uh, absolutely. Um, so he cleaned house and like that place, is, it's going to go places because the, the new owner is, is awesome. I worked with him a bunch when I was at BYU. He's the guy who owns Qualtrics is the guy who bought the jazz now. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Ryan, Ryan Smith, like he's known like around Utah for being like, you know, a stand-up guy. Um, he's a member of the church. And so in Utah, um, that means a lot if you're super mega wealthy and you still go to church. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so that place is going, it's going places. And I actually was like talking with them and they're going to start hiring people back. They just announced that they're going to let 4,000 fans into the games now. And we're one wow. of being, I think only one, of five of the 30 NBA teams that have fans at all. And so they're doing good over there. But anyways, well, that's, that's, that's incredible news for you. I'm like, cause I just hearing your story, I was like, my heart was breaking, you know, because, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and, you know, uh, it sucks, you know, and it sucks to hear about how COVID really has affected people, especially where it's your, you know, it's your profession, but it's your passion too. You know what I mean? And I'm sure there's like part of you that misses the crowd and, you oh, know, yeah. there's, there's a lot of stuff going on there that people who are not performers don't understand like the withdrawal yeah. that happens there, you know? Oh yeah. My neighbors get it. Cause anytime I take out the trash, I stop and talk to anybody for as long as possible. <laughs> like, hey, it's cold. I'm going to go inside. I'm like, wait, how's How's your mom? Like, you never know my mom, dude. Like, just go away. <laughs> oh, that's good. I'm I'm glad they're they're looking, they're getting fans back, and then hopefully that means you're you're back on and you already have that connection, which is great. Yeah. So the, the changing houses may even be better for you, may even give you more yeah. opportunities, hopefully. Yeah. But actually, so life has been kind of weird for me. Like you talked about working for your pat, and this is something that I've thought a lot about as I've graduated. Like I know so many people who are went to the business school and making good money, but they're miserable. You know, yeah. they're like working in finance or accounting, and they're just like, oh, yeah, I'm just rent, so I just have to work my butt off all the time, so that I can be, you know, five years from now, be you know financially independent. I could start my own business if I wanted, but next five years, my life sucks. And it's like I've been so happy because, like, like I haven't felt like I've gone to work in two years, right? Because I just yeah. love it. But I, so I've been trying to figure out what to do with my family with a baby on the way. And with, um, we've been, we were about to buy a house right before I got furloughed. And so like, we still need a house. Like I only live in a two bedroom apartment. Like I can't have a third kid here. <laughs> like that's awful. <laughs> <laughs> and so I actually just, you know, I, I actually started a different job. And after like a month, just it all of a sudden hit me, like, you're not supposed to be doing this. And I'm like, oh crap. And so I'm like, what am I supposed to do? It's like, don't worry about that. Just quit your job right now. I'm like, what? Wow. Like, that's just what mean. It's like, all right, I just like quit one day and I wasn't doing anything for two weeks. And then a couple opportunities just fell in my lap. I actually just started um, with a new company yesterday. And so it's, uh, I'm doing, I'm going to be a CSM, like a client success manager for a company called CodeDev. And oh, cool. Yeah. 
So they have a developed like a big like pool of developers in the Philippines, and they just you know they sell to like small and medium sized businesses who like need more developers, but don't have the money to hire one in America, and then have the resources to outsource. So like we've already done the outsourcing for them. So it's just like hey, hire one of our developers at half the cost of an American kind of thing. Um, that's the gist of what I know. I just started, so I don't know what I'm going to be doing. So, that's uh, exciting, dude. Yeah, the people are awesome. And it's just felt, it's the first time like I felt really good about doing something. Like, I'm not passionate about developers, but I love helping people and I love, especially people who are running businesses and helping them grow. And so I think it'll be a good fit for a while. So, totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, it sounds like you listened to the, the interview well, not interview the podcast with Jordan Bollinger. Cause that was a big thing we talked about. Cause he's also similar to you. Just like he knows his career and his career has a path that can be monetized. Mm-hmm. Not everyone's passions can be monetized, but for him, he can, for you, you can. And so you guys are in unique situations in that way. But then also, you know, it's, I, I, you know, and I hope this position is super awesome, but but it takes some adjusting, right? Because you're like, man, I'm used to just like, I'm sure you'll you'll like it, you know, but it's ne- it's never going to be the same as like that thing you feel called to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I actually, I, I, um, I coach at a tumbling gym once a week. And then oh, which one? at Tumble Tech up in Draper. Oh, okay, cool. It's, it's run by the, the girl, the couple, the the wife in the in this relationship is the BYU gym uh, cheer squad coach. Oh, and cool! Her husband and her husband like went to the Olympics in gymnastics and stuff. So they started a gym just doing tumbling. Like it's not a gymnastics gym; it's only tumbling. And so I helped one of my buddies who also was on the dunk team with me. We are running a program that's specific for boys. Um, cool. And so we're teaching boys how to do like tumbling and parkour and tricking and all that fun stuff. And, so I get I get that outlet, and then once we start dunking again, like I'm still hired as a part time dunker for the Jazz. And so once we start dunking, and I'll still get to do that stuff. So I'm like, I'm like okay with it. I'm like I understand, you know, if I'm if I need to do something else for my family, as long as I can still perform some, you know, and I have yeah. that, I think I'll be fine. Totally, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and I mean, like I was telling Jordan, you know, for me it was just a different path, just because. Uh, um, I don't know. I'm, I don't want to say I'm controlling, but I definitely am, am someone who, who prefers a, a higher level of control, you know? And, and for me, just like I was telling Jordan, I don't want to be a broken record, but for me, all the things I wanted to do were, were in creation. And I realized the only way I could really create what I wanted to was if I had creative ownership. And no career was going to do that for me, you know, because even say I was like a screenwriter, you know, someone is going to take that, a director is going to take that and make it its own, his own, his or her own. And then we'll take that to a producer and the producer will make it his or her own, you know what I mean? And it, and it, and it becomes something else. And so um, for me, I was like, I need to be stable so that I can create without fear of others you know what i mean i need to appease someone um because because i i my wife and i have started a few businesses and we still run one on the side 
but at a time I was doing it full bore. It was the only thing I was doing and focusing on and then was just working part-time and uh, I hated it. I was so stressed about like, this needs to work tomorrow. And that's, you just can't, it's just like tumbling, right? You can't be thinking like that. And so um, anyways, and I'm really fortunate to have a career that though it's not my, uh, my, my passion, you know, it fulfills me just sounds like, you know, what you're hoping this new position will be. And I'm, I'm hoping will be as well. You know, it fulfills a part of you without being, you know, your everything, you know? And yeah. so I, I love that I'm, I'm working with people and working with people um, who who have dreams and I'm trying to make those dreams happen. You know, they're trying to grow their businesses or, yeah. or, or climb the corporate ladder, you know, with the larger businesses, whatever it is. And we get to work together and have real relationships. And so I walk away feeling rewarded, but still hungry, you know, yeah. which, which is a good place to be. And so anyways, I'll just say for myself, and I think you'll, 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 you know, you, you've been working for longer than I have, but I'm, I think you'll, you'll find out for yourself, you know, how to keep that in balance, you know, cause, yeah. cause that provider drive is real. It totally yeah. is real. Yep. And like, you know, just the, the, the pressure of having like enough space, like, you can't accidentally have enough space most of the time. Like, I guess you could inherit something or whatever, but like, you know, how our world's set up today, like it, it's a very deliberate effort. And especially with like the housing market right now, like it's just, you can't do that on accident. And so it's like something that right now, like that's what my family really needs as far as being a provider goes. And so it is, that is really important. And honestly, there, I'm sure there'll be days where it's like, I don't want to go to work, but I do want to buy a house. So yeah, I'm do kind of thing. I, uh, my sister, um, you know, her husband was finishing up grad school and they were living in a, we, we would live next to each other in like a side-by-side -side duplex. Mm -hmm. And so we had the same amount of space, but they had, they, when they had their fourth kid and oh, so wow. we just had a two bedroom, it was a two bedroom. So they had, my dad helped them build a triple bunk bed. And then they had the crib for the fourth. And that was like, <laughs> that was the, and they've moved now. They moved yeah. up to, to Hooper where housing's a little bit um, more inexpensive and they could get, a, you know, a big, yeah. a big place. But uh, it's, it's real. Like it was, it was draining on her mental health, you know, to just be that uh, crowded. So um, no. to totally understand that as like a need, you know what I mean? I need to have space to be sane, you know? Yeah, there, there's a family that lives in this complex with us. They're uh, they're a Spanish family, and they uh, they've lived here for 15 years, and they have five kids. And like their wow. oldest son just left on a mission, and they, he's like lived in this house since he was like four years old. I'm just like, yeah, I don't I can't even. I I literally like just like mathematically, I'm like, where do you guys go? Like, what do you? Do? <laughs> okay, I don't get it. And they're but they're some of the happiest people I've ever met, and they're just they're totally fine mm -hmm. with it. It works for them. <laughs> That's but, awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you got to do, you got to do what's right for you and your family. You know what I mean? So that's awesome. I wish you the best on the new job, dude. I hope it's, I hope it's everything. And you're, uh, like I said, I, I didn't really know you before, but just hearing your story about talking to people at the trash can, I think chatting with clients and helping them is going to be something that'll be really fulfilling, you know?
that'll be enjoyable. So, um, cool. So moving on to the next question of something to watch, something to read, listen to, play. What should we be watching? Travis, what are you watching? Um, so me and my wife really enjoy, it's, it's where we have the most common ground, um, is we enjoy like kind of a little bit older crime shows, like in the like early 2000s crime shows. So like, like there's a 24? Um, I, personally, I'm not a huge fan of 24, but similar things. Like, have you ever heard of The Mentalist? Yeah. It was a show, it's basically like psych, but not as focused on trying to be super funny, but, um, but a similar idea. Um, and then stuff like we've watched like, um, um, like white collar and right now we're watching bones. Like we love bones. Like I didn't, I personally didn't think I'd like bones that much, but she's like, Oh, I, I love bones. They've watched it before. So I was like, Oh, we could, when we finished this list, I was like, Oh, we could try it. I love it. Like we're, we're like, is that the forensic? It's like the forensic scientist. Yeah. Is the forensic anthropologist. Is? Yeah. Yeah. With uh, it's it's like Zoe Deschanel's sister is the main girl. If, if oh, is it her sister? Yeah, so she actually makes a couple cameos in the show too. Zoe Deschanel. Really, I didn't know that was Zoe Deschanel's sister. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah so stuff like that. We watched like I actually probably, and that's what me and my wife do together. But like watching stuff on my own, like I follow the NBA obviously because I enjoy basketball. Um, but I've been watching. There's a couple like, um youtube things that i watch one is his name's scotty kilmer and if you like working on your own cars he's just this dude in his like 60s who's had a mechanic uh, like a sh auto shop out of his garage he just tells people like how dumb everybody is about cars and just makes it super simple and he posts like two times two or three times a day like like 10 minute videos i just like double speed it learn something about a car like i fix like 10 things from his videos on my own cars just from learning that stuff so Really? Stuff, he probably has a video about something simple. Um, he is very much, uh, he basically says, if you want a car that's going to last more than, you know, 90,000 miles for sure, get a Toyota or a Honda and you're rolling the dice with everything else. Like he's just so straightforward and he's like, not, he doesn't have like any sponsors with car stuff at all. And so he's like, no one pays me to say anything. I just say what I think is true. And he's funny. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. And the other guy I watch on also on YouTube, it's uh his name is Mr. Ballen, so B A L L E N, and he just does these YouTube compilations of like three places you can't go, but somebody went anyways, and what happened to them. And he's just like a really good storyteller. Um, he also does a bunch of stuff with um, I think the guy's name is David Politis, like the Missing Four One One series he has, where he talks about all these people who got missing in, in the woods and like the crazy circumstances behind him, like like a four-year-old kid like goes missing for like a month and they find him like 40 miles away and he's perfectly unharmed. Like just crazy things like that. Wow. He just posts like his or same thing. They're, they're more like 15 to 25 minute videos. And he's just a good storyteller. And like, I kind of like, you know, being scared a little bit and stuff, but all of his, almost all of his are true stories. Um, and it's cool. It's like, he, t he has a whole, he does a whole video on like, the skinwalkers if you've heard of skinwalkers from the um um it's basically there's a ranch called skinwalker ranch it's a place in utah that's like super haunted and the stories behind it he goes into the whole thing about that um skinwalker so, ranch that's a terrifying name 
Yes, yes. And so skinwalkers are a, um, it's like a curse that a Native American tribe does. It's basically these evil spirits that will haunt you and they take the skins of animals and they walk around in the skins of animals to haunt you is like what curse originates from. But he just, yeah, he, he tells the story really good. If you do get freaked out kind of thing, then don't watch that. But if you're into kind of <laughs> true stuff that will kind of freak you out, totally watch it. it's awesome. That's awesome. Do you think you'd ever have your own YouTube channel? Um, I honestly have gotten to the point and I've watched enough YouTube and done stuff where like, if I was passionate about something, I could totally do it because I wouldn't care how successful it is because I love it. And so I actually started, like, I made a second Instagram page where I just do, like, all of my performing stuff. So, like, tricking and tumbling and dunking. That's where I post all that stuff. And the idea was, like, I'm going to make it so that if somebody started following it, it'd be something, like, they could learn from or be inspired by kind of thing. Just, like, how I exercise and take care of my body and stuff, too. And so, like, I just did that over during the quarantine and stuff. So I've thought about doing stuff like that. But, um you know, I haven't gone all in on anything yet. That's <laughs> so, awesome, dude. You should do it. You should do it because you're you're passionate. You're a passionate guy. You've got <laughs> all the stuff to to teach people. And um, even if you didn't go all in and you know say how do I get the YouTube algorithm to have me go, I think you'd have a blast doing that. But what what do I know? But I yeah, I think cool. you'd be great for it. I think you should do it. Uh, we'll see if you want if you want to follow my instagram page and see the you know see all the ways i get close to killing myself but try to land on my feet you're more than welcome to what what, what is the what's what is it so it's just it's travis and then the letter c moves um and i just post like the most recent stuff i've been posting is i posted like i made a list it's my 2021 20, 22 my you know for this year the 22 new tricks i'm gonna learn um, and then I also posted like my six main fitness goals and I'm just going to put updates and stuff on there from that. And it's again more for me to keep track of, but I have it set up to where like, if you want to follow along and stuff and you're interested in that stuff, it could, could be fun for you. I'm following. I don't get on, on Instagram, but I may get on so I can look at these. So I'm following you right now. Nice. Nice. Hold on. I want to watch a video. I want to see. Let's see one of these. Whoa! So do you do some? You do some like parkour stuff too? Yeah, a little bit. That's very like. Basically, I do a bunch of other stuff. So some parkour stuff's really easy. I'm not sure. super interested in being like, hey, if I miss this, you know, I'm gonna fall two stories. Like, to me, the reward's not big enough, and I'm getting old enough to where it's like, that risk isn't as important as you know, actually how to do something good that's just me some people the parkour stuff it's like it's what gets them going and like there's there's actually a kid in orem who grew up in orem him and his wife he like he like i think he won um red bull i think they call it like red bull movement competition like he won the parkour competition for red bull like a like a worldwide competition like he's so good um and a lot anybody who's like in that world at all knows who he is and follows him um but yeah, the parkour stuff is a lot less of what I do. I'm probably like, as far as like proficient proficiency, like I'm at, I'm like probably like one of the higher tiers of acrobatic dunking that there is as far as ability and everything. And that's mostly because not very many people do it. And I put mm. so much to it. Like I'm not like, as far as like, if you look at gymnasts, most gymnasts look at me and they're like, eh, I could probably 
learn 80% of what he does in one day kind of thing. But got it. But as far as just like all the acrobatic dunkers, like I've seen some guys who like have won world competitions and like not one thing they did was not something that I could probably do or have already done. And so nice. Um, there's just not you've, a lot of you've honed, you've really honed your craft. Yeah. And and I and I say that just because like I've put so much like for probably for three years, I dunked three days a week. For three years, at least three days a week. Some days it was sometimes it was like five or six days in a week and stuff, just because I loved it so much. I did way more dunking than I did homework or going to class while I was in college. <laughs> <laughs> that is so awesome. I love it. I love, I just love being around people who are passionate and have found something they're just crazy about. You know what I mean? Yeah. No matter, no matter what it is. And with tumbling, I can understand it a little more, especially the performing aspect. You know, I can be like, okay, like, like I get it, you know, but I just, I love, I love it when people are like, they know what they're about, you know, and it's exciting. It's fun to have that thing too. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of people who go through their life and, and they never have that. You know, they're always trying to figure out how to fill their time um, because they just don't have that like drive of like when no one is telling you to do something, what do you do? Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and to find that it's, it's really a special thing. And it's, maybe it's a little sad that that's the case, but I, I don't know. I don't think it really matters. It's just an awesome thing to have. My thing is like when you're in the shower, what do you think about? Like, what are those? Because in the shower, you don't, you don't have to think about taking a shower, right? So, what are the things you just think about, and you like where you uh, like a space where you can create in your mind and do? Like, I think everybody in their lives need to do more of whatever that is. Um, mm. Assuming you're having like good thoughts, I guess if you're thinking about robbing a banker, <laughs> maybe no. Maybe if you're passionate about it, you should do it. <laughs> <laughs> Make a YouTube channel about it. Yeah, robbing banks. Do you uh do you play basketball at all? No, no, no. I was cut from my elementary school team. Wow. There was a coach who was very competitive, and I was really into basketball because basketball, at least when I was in school, was kind of kind of like skateboarding. You know what I mean? Oh, all the yeah. cool all the cool kids did it, yeah. and so it's like I played soccer, but people are like, "Uh, oh, soccer's like skiing." basketball <laughs> snowboarding you know what i mean oh. it's a sport but it's not the cool sport so anyways i was really into it because my my friends were into it terrible i'm a terrible yeah. shot um not that i'm unathletic i just was not a great shot and i never cared enough to yeah. practice outside of practice hours and and so it's it, it, my skill level matches my my effort right but anyways, I think my mom had, it was like fourth grade, fourth or fifth grade. So I can blame <laughs> it on my mom. Um, but it was like, she hadn't registered at a certain date. And I showed up for the first day of practice and I was just like super excited and like playing. And the coach was like, well, you didn't sign up, you know? And I was like, oh, <laughs> well, can, can I sign up? He's like, you can't. <laughs> and so I played church. I played church ball like a few times, but yeah. it was, yeah, it just, anyways, that was my long answer to your very <laughs> short and concise <laughs> question of whether or not I play basketball. I do not. And that's, and it's all Mr. Say, you should, fault. You just, you should come try and dunk with us. Oh yeah. man. 
Well, and then at the very least, like we go, we probably split either where we're jumping on the court or we go into the BYU gymnastics room and practice. Um, and we do a lot more like tumbling and tricking or in there, but we have a cramp set up in there too where we practice. You should come, you should come fool around with us. See, see if you can get that round off back tuck down. Yes, I really should. And I need to, I need to honestly probably dust off my other stuff. Like I, I, I did some back handsprings the other day and uh, I'm like, my core is not tight. I'm doing this wrong and I'm going to wreck my back. Tight. Yeah. It'll get tight yeah. if you try it a few times. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, that'd be, that'd be great. Cause I need to, I need to t tone up on my, on my, uh, my form, you know? And so I'm sure you'd be a great coach for that. Yeah, man. And all the guys I, I do it with too. They're all great. Like the, the way the dunk team was and team Cosmo was, was just, we're a bunch of guys that can do cool stuff and we want as many people to do as cool stuff as we can. And so practice was either we were super competitive about who could accomplish something first, or we're just trying to teach everybody how to do it. And so like, I like going to those practices. I like learned, we all learned like windmills. We all learned backflips and Webster's and we all learned dunking stuff. And it's just, it's a cool place to be. If you ever want to That's come join awesome. us, let me know right now. I, I, I might take, I might take you up on, up on that, especially here in the, in the winter, there's not a whole lot of physical hobbies that I have that are easy to, easy to do. So I might take you up on that, honestly. Yeah. Um, what's something to read? What have you been reading? Reading. I don't, I personally do not read much. Um, most of my reading effort goes into trying to read, uh, spiritual things <laughs> because you know i figured if i'm gonna read something i might as well pick that but i did kind of recently i read the book um shoe dog it's like the memoir of phil knight and how nike started um oh, cool. all that stuff it's a great book a relatively easy read and one of those things where it's just like you like you get that energy from someone who's really passionate that was a book i was able to i read the whole thing which is very rare for me <laughs> um but yeah that's what i suggest to anybody especially if you're in the business world at all um yeah that's fine, but... sweet yeah great uh endorsement there listen to what are you listening to um right now the two kicks i'm on like i've been listening so i i listen to stuff basically on pandora because i like getting like kind of a feel of a music and just having all that type of music. I love Pandora too. People crap on me for loving Pandora, but it's, it's radio algorithm is heads and shoulders above anything Spotify has ever done. I, all the new artists and music I find is on, is on spot uh, on Spotify. Anyway, yeah. sorry, continue. So you listen to Spotify. So the two radios uh, I suggest on Pandora are Kings of Leon radio. Mm. and then guster radio have you ever heard of guster i i have and i'm trying oh. to i'm trying to remember what song i know by him i think i only know one song from him probably the more popular one whatever it is they have a lot to remember. of a lot of songs but uh satellite that's what i know satellite yeah. and maybe another song but i but pandora once again i found them yep. from pandora. exactly yeah so that's that's good that's good. another pandora radio station that's great as well I don't listen to this one as much, especially right now, but um, if you're into 80s rock, just do Journey, uh, the band Journey, Pandora radio mm. station. Ooh, just like 80s hits a whole time. It's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. And, and the, the thing that I think people don't realize about Pandora is Pandora gets better 
the more input you give it. Yes. Like I, I have a couple channels that I've taken a couple artists that I like in a similar genre and put them together. And I've uh -huh. got this curated list of likes and dislikes. And so that, that channel hums, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, it yeah. plays the perfect combination of new stuff and stuff I've heard, you know, th from the station before. It's, it's, it's an art. It's an art to get Pandora to, to work oh, for yeah. you, but it's anyways, I love yeah. Pandora. I'm, I'm so thrilled to meet someone who's the same kind of enthusiast. Oh yeah. And when you listen to, when you get one of those stations, like you're like, Oh, I kind of want to listen to this. And then it's like, here's like 30 songs. I didn't even know I wanted to listen to, but they just hit yeah. perfect. It's just exactly what I needed. Yeah, I think I need to. I've I've moved. I had a, an ad blocker on my computer, and that's how I was listening to it because I'm a terrible person. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I think Pandora got wise to the ad blocker, and uh -huh. so I think I just need to pay for premium because I switched to Spotify. You know, because we're my wife prefers Spotify, so we're paying for Spotify. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to pay for something else when we have this. And I've liked that I can put songs in lists but then i'm just like i'm like and and i've listened to some albums which has been interesting to hear some work that i don't normally hear but then i've got this playlist and i'll put it on and i'm like no i'm ruining all my favorite songs mm -hmm. yeah. by listening on spotify because it's playing too many times and they're losing their edge and it's that's like the saddest thing to me is when you have a song that you love and it dies like that is so tragic so I need, I think I need to invest in, in premium and, and go back to listening to Pandora because I've definitely been missing that. Or just do a poor man's way and just, you know, deal with the ads. I'll yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, listen to play. What are you playing? So what do I play? Um, if you have friends that you love that play smash brothers on the switch do that um as far as video games though i know a lot about video games because my brothers play a ton um but i don't actually play very much um i basically just only play smash when I'm playing smash with them um, um and then every once in a while i still have like a game Boy color and like the original red version of pokemon every once in a while i know i'm like going on a long car trip and i won't be driving i'll start a new game on pokemon I just a little a little throwback <laughs> a little nostalgia <laughs> yeah. yeah but any like, any board games or stuff like that man i my family is way into board games so they play a ton and i play when i'm with them and i really enjoy it do i know the names of any of them <laughs> um one <laughs> game oh yeah one game we've been playing quite a bit of is called azul um and the idea is you're like either there's a couple different versions but you're either like building a stained glass window or you're building like a like a uh what am i trying like there, you just use different tiles and stuff and you have to build out these patterns and you know you're trying to score the most points kind of thing and it's just a fun game because it's like it's like a lot of thinking as far as strategy goes but it's like straight like you can turn it into like straight numbers if you want, like if you think that way, or you can just enjoy yourself and just do your best and you know make whatever strategy you think. And so I feel like it's really good at capturing the really strategic people and the not so strategic people. Um, I also That's like the strategic amazing. games like Agricola and um, you know some of the more what what are the other ones? I can um, have you ever played Dominion, like a oh, deck building game? 
sounds really familiar. I don't think I've played it though. I haven't, yeah, I haven't it. seen this. I haven't played it. Yeah, Dominion Dominion gets pretty fun, and now there are tons of games like um, I think like Exploding Kittens or Unstable Unicorns are a similar idea to that, where like cards do certain things and it's a deck building game. But I, I enjoy those because it's very interactive with all the people you're playing with and stuff. And is it deck building? It's not deck deck building like uh magic the gathering you're not buying like packets of cards no no it's, it's included all in the yeah. yeah i i might be interested in that i like i like stuff like that where it's included like magic the gathering of course turns me off because it's like a pay to win thing yeah. like i i like the concept but if there's not fixed parameters of like these are the yeah. approved cards it's the game gets really weird and out of balance i i think you know but yeah. cool um mission what do you miss what do you miss from the mission Ooh, i've been so i've watched um i think i've watched all of them but your last one um of these and i've been thinking a lot about it and like what do i miss like i miss the mission but i i never think about it more than that i just know i miss it right so I've been trying to put words to it. Um, and like the two things that I miss the most is one, like the laser focus. Like mm. when I'm going to bed, I know exactly what I have thinking, what I'm thinking about and what's going on the next day, which having time unemployed, unemployed and furloughed is very nice. Cause a lot of nights I was going to bed. I'm like, well, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. I can do whatever I want, I guess. And so um, I do enjoy that. And like when I came home from my mission, it was so hard for me. To like care about anything else because I, I just like i did pretty good at just like put my life over here and didn't worry about it too much um and like i think my personality lends it lends that to be a little easier than, than other people have with it um and i i love that just being laser focused on one thing um and then the other the other thing i miss is just having an excuse to talk to anybody like when you're yeah. a missionary like you can just talk to anybody and like like it can be it, like it's weird at times, but it's not weird. Like, like no one's trying to figure out what your problem is because they know why you're talking to them without you even having to say it. Like they know your intentions pretty for close up front. And like now, like growing, I grew up in the South, obviously, and like people talk to each other a lot more there. But here in Utah, like I started conversation with anybody, especially in Provo. Especially if I started conversation in Provo with a girl I don't know, there's oh, I can just tell. <laughs> all the way all these things and like why why can't i just be a nice person like i don't know but so i miss that too i miss being able to talk to anybody anytime about anything no utah is really and i don't think it's just utah it's probably a very just the west is, yeah. is like that but um i i have over time had to really try and break down a shield that i developed being in utah <laughs> because people are so prickly you know yeah especially dating dating was just so ruthless because you try and like talk to a girl and she's like you know you're just trying to say hello and they're like man why are you asking me to why are you asking to marry me like give me some space and it's like how could i ever meet anyone if this is everyone's like immediate response like and provo is the worst i will say since even just moving to orem which is not that far away um, I feel like people are a lot more open and, and my attitude has changed a little bit too, where I'm a little more relaxed yeah. where like when someone is prickly, like, it's just kind of like, okay, you know, like do, do whatever. Like, it's not, 
I, it's not going to affect me, you know, but, um, but it's true. It's real. And it's, it's sad. And I think that's why there's so many sad people here. Totally. Um, and, and why so many people like why the, in my opinion, why the opioid things is so yeah. here. Cause all these sad people, then they have real pain and then they get some drug and all of a sudden they can, they function differently and it feels they, they start doing things different than they haven't felt before. And I think it's just, you know, it all, it's all, all connected around all that stuff. And and not to get too serious, but pornography too. I, yeah. I think it's, I think it's totally in that mix of craving this human connection. And so funny, this group of people that thinks we're all brothers and sisters and that we should all be really close and we're all saved together is like, <laughs> but gosh, I sure hope I don't have to talk to any of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. But anyways, <clears throat> yeah, kind of, kind of a bummer. Um, oh, you said something I was, it made me think of something else because you were saying, uh, Oh, an excuse to talk to anyone. The, the other cool thing is by having that name tag too, it's not just talk to anyone, but talk to people about deep stuff. Yeah. Like you're just like, hey, let's have a deep conversation. Like that's my job title, which yeah. is cool. Yeah. And I think in Utah, there's like, there's like three tiers of people. There's the people who like don't want to talk to anybody ever. Like they avoid talking on the phone. They avoid like human interaction, like real human interaction. And then the people who like have accepted that that's part of life, that they don't ever let you in at all. And they like, yeah. they have like the four things they talk about and what they let people know. And they only have like a few very, very close people they ever talked about anything. And then I guess it's four levels. And then there's the people who, in my mind are at a good spot where it's healthy, where they're like, you know, they get close to people, they share some stuff with some, but not with that. Like it's a, it's a very natural thing. And people who just share everything to everybody. And, you mm. know, those are, the, those are the people where everybody kind of like, holds their breath when they get up <laughs> kind of thing like oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh nah, i like that i like that ranking <clears throat> yeah, i and sometimes when i say stuff like that or like even just thinking about it i'm like i'm sure there's a lot of people who think i'm that fourth person and not the third but oh well <laughs> yeah i and i think sometimes sometimes in the name maybe i'm just justifying my own existence because sometimes i don't share a lot and then other times I like just like overshare and yeah. I'm just like, here, let me just open up my heart because I don't know really how to talk tactfully about <laughs> this, you know? So I guess we're elevating our relationship. So <laughs> I don't know. I have good intentions. <laughs> well, if you're not both ends, it balances out. It, That's right. You, the medians where, where, what you're striving for. So what, what's hard and I've seen this a few times and this is really heartbreaking is when people are at that level one you talked about, but they don't really let people in mm -hmm. when those people marry other people and still treat their spouse in that way and think that that's normal. Um, I've had a couple of friends, um, a couple of divorced friends, <laughs> yeah. you know, where they either married someone like that or they were someone like that. And, uh, yeah, that's sad. That's that's a hard marriage to have. Yeah, like I, when I was first married, we were in a married student ward, and I was in the like new member meetings all the time. And usually, it was people that like just got married, 
And like these people either have been married for like, you know, they got married like two weeks ago and it's the first time coming to church or they've only been married for a few months and they finally find they you know, they moved to start school or whatever. And so many of these people is just like, what do, you, what do you guys do for fun? And like, I swear it was for like six weeks straight, every couple in all of those meetings was, oh, we, we watch Netflix. Like they couldn't think of anything fun they did together, but watch Netflix. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, what? Like, that's, not, that's like... I don't think, and like maybe if you're really into like cinema and videos, like I'm not saying that there's like anything wrong with that, but if like you can't come up with anything else you do with your spouse besides watching Netflix, I'm like, I think you guys are missing, in my opinion, you're missing a lot of happiness that you could have. Like, there's way more things, way more fun. I totally agree. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Because a movie, the movie is what you do when you have no idea of what else to do. At least in my mind, you know, like it's like, yeah. I don't really have anything to say. Let's just absorb something, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I can picture these people. I'm sure they're sitting in their bed watching Netflix and both of them are on their phones too. Like not even paying attention to what they're watching kind of thing. And like, this, I, see, I see situations like that. So I see people like that, and then I see people that stay like that even when they have kids. And I'm like, you guys are like, life's like, life, you're supposed to happen to life. Life's not supposed to happen to you. Like, do something. Be happy. Like, everyone wants to see that. But anyways. Yeah, be happy. Do something terrible. Make mistakes. Do something. Like, live with some kind of intentionality, you know? What do you uh, what do you not miss from the mission? Um, I think the biggest the, there's two things, and obviously everyone like the cold and the darkness. I uh, I will never and like willingly visit Minnesota in the winter. Like I feel no need for that. Um, um, but the other thing I don't miss is how like, and it was a very similar feeling to how like people do school at BYU. Mm. Like, like, like so many missionaries like took it so seriously and like i i didn't miss that at all and like i'd be with missionaries who were like struggling and having a hard time like hardly do anything and then the mission president they'd also just, uh, be all happy like oh yeah this is great we're gonna do this and as soon as we leave i just want to take a nap and it's like like because they're just so stressed out and they're trying so hard like everybody's like just under so much pressure they're pooping diamonds like i don't know like <laughs> i hate that like and i did everything i could like Another thing that I know some missionaries remember, remember before is like being like the most undignified but still obedient missionary there ever was. <laughs> it's yeah. like what a lot of people like would say about me. But like I never, I don't think I ever in my life remember like using curse words very much until I was a missionary because everyone's so stressed out that I would just <laughs> use it to try to like break the tension to like just try to say something. So people like would get shocked or whatever. And I like, I, and I never like, it was never like I was mad or anything, but I was always just like trying to be funny or shocking so that people would like relax a little bit. Good just, for you. <laughs> Good for, you know who did that for me on my mission? You probably know Ryan Checkets. Oh, he, dude. I love that guy. So we, should, we are the same, same time. Um, oh, okay. Together, yeah. Yeah, he was, he was my district leader, I think, while he was dying for maybe two or three transfers. I don't know how long because he just had such a big impact because I was definitely one of those serious, not like a stress. No, I don't know. I probably was a stress case. I was just trying to take it really seriously. Yeah. And, you know, he was the beginning of, I think, a long line of lessons of just like, 
you know, like you, it's okay to be happy in the gospel. Cause I think I had some bad narratives cause I'm a pretty like fun, loving, gregarious person, mm -hmm. but, but the mission I like, I don't know. I had it all in my head. Like, I'm just going to lock down and just like power, like, you know what yeah. I mean? I'm just going to kick butt. And, uh, just like you were describing with those missionaries kind of was my own enemy. You know what I mean? Like I was the own, my own enemy to, to my success because I was clenching everything, you know, and pushing and pushing investigators too hard or, or whatever, and not just being loose and, and letting the spirit guide. I was too yeah. focused on some of the details. So I think that's awesome. Like, I think you, I'm, I'm sure I have no doubt if that was your intention, you probably had a lot of effect on, on missionaries. And I think that's why I heard, you know, not that I'm like trying to just like blow smoke up your ass, but, but <laughs> like I, I hear, you know, I had heard all kinds of people, you know, say your name. That's why, like, I knew who you were when you said, said the name, because people remember that, you know, it's funny. People think they remember like, oh, the hardworking person, the whatever. No, they remember the person who is real, you know? And so I think that's awesome. You're able to kind of be an example and Use all the tools at your disposal to, to shake people up. <laughs> yeah. But like you said, that's that's what, what that's all about is going out and doing stuff and being willing to make mistakes. Because I know there's a, there's a few missionaries who hate my guts. And I know there's a few people that I pissed off. But I, like, I was never doing it to make them mad. I was always like in my mind. And like, there's a lot of things I would do differently. Don't get me wrong. But in my mind, I was always doing things because I, you know, I was just trying to be me like i remember last early on in my mission was um the biggest name on the main name tag is my name like mm. it's not i'm not supposed to go out there to be a missionary like everybody else i'm supposed to be me being a missionary and i, I tried mm. to teach that to a few people um and i think actually i remember talking to elder wall well i don't know if it was him but there are a couple new missionaries that went through that same apartment in winona where he was trained and I remember having that lesson in that living room a couple of times. Like, dude, like your name is the like biggest thing in your name tag. Like, that's so important. Like, you are supposed to be a missionary, not leave yourself and everything you know behind and just be a missionary. But you be a missionary. Bring your talents. Bring your, you know, whatever. And like, if anybody ever met Elder Dobbins, me and him, like, I, I was with him for three transfers. Um, and we were both like similar personality, just kind of all over the place, trying to have fun and stuff. He, uh, I remember after our first transfer together, we met with President Clements and he's like, so how are you guys doing? We're like, we're doing great. We're like best friends. And President Clements was like, really? <laughs> we're like, what? He goes, I thought you guys were gonna hate each other. And I was like, what? <laughs> um, but we were like best friends. And then the second transfer, we hated each other. Everything went wrong. <laughs> we never did anything. <laughs> But then we ended up getting a third transfer and we were still like, we loved each other. Like it worked so well. Cause we were both just like doing what we would like. I remember we would track, we knock on a door and if they had a piano, we wouldn't say who we were. We wouldn't say anything. We'd be like, hi, we would love to play you a song. Can we play you a song on your piano? And people almost always said yes. If we did really? that. And I could play on him. I could play be still my soul. And he would sing it. <laughs> and we did that for dragging. We taught so much at that time. We had so much fun <laughs> and everything. It was just like, that's just what we did. And like, I wish more missionaries realized like, you're not here to like play out a playbook, right? You're here to, yeah. you know, look at what you're supposed to do and figure out how you do that. And 
Anyways. I hope you. I hope you become a mission president. I don't know if you oh. want that curse uh, on oh, you, but yeah. I. I think that would. That's that's not the story I hear from a lot of missionaries coming off missions. You know what I mean? They're all they all come off and are ready to do summer sales and memorize the pitch and push. You know, yeah. and I I think. You know, I I don't want to beat a dead horse because I know I talk about this on all the podcasts, but I mean that's that's what life is about. That's what salvation's about. That's how you become like God is you make those big risky decisions that some people will love and some people will hate, but you do it based on passion and love. Like love is messy. It's supposed to be messy. And so yeah. to try and turn it into a business model is, is challenging, which, which no, you know, no, no, no disrespect aimed towards President Clements or any other mission president. Like, I understand why that exists, right? And it's for order. And order is also important, you know? And I, I think the mission for everyone is how do I marry order and passion? And really, it's chaos and order, right? Because passion yeah, exactly. and chaos, I think, are really closely linked. And, uh, and generally, they're going to ebb and flow. You know, and even coming back to the the career, not that we need to talk super in depth about that, but that's really what that is. And I would say in evaluating my own life, I've been very focusing a lot more on order. And now that I feel like I'm I have some stability, I can bring more chaos into my life, you know? And uh so both are important, I guess is is what I'm saying. It's not like you you can just have one, but I think especially in the church we talk a lot about order and very little about passion. And yeah. I think that's why there's kind of an easy imbalance. And I think those two have to be, they're both traits of God, I think, you know. Well, in my mind, on your mission is where you, like, I never met an 18-year-old that has more order than passion, right? And so, like, on your mission is where you under, like learn the importance of order. Mm. Um, I always felt, and I know not everybody had this experience, but I always felt President Clements would hit the order and hit the order so that we knew what it was. But if you really talk to him and like ask him real questions, he wasn't saying like you need to do the order and that's all you need to think about. He never and like he's like you need to know the order. That's what I'm worried about in these trainings. But once you know the order, then you have a you know a foundation to stand on. And I always like in my mind, and may, maybe he doesn't think this, but in my mind, that's how I always interpreted it. I I will say amen to that because I had a number of conversations with him one on one, where I was like, "Look, President Clemens, like this is so rational to me that I should be doing whatever. Like I broke the rule, I came in late, a lesson ran long, but it was the right thing to do. Am I supposed to feel bad about it? Because I don't." He's like, no, <laughs> he's supposed to feel yeah. bad about that. You know, like keep this stuff in, in your minds. Don't, yeah. don't think you're, you're above the rules. Just like you said, know the order, but also know when to go outside of it, you know? Yeah. And so I, yeah, no, I, I agree. My, my experience, I felt like he was very balanced in that way, you know? It doesn't come but, off your balance, but it, 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 inside he is. <laughs> yeah. I remember, um, oh, who was it? One of the assistant, campaign assistants of the assistant, 
they told us about the training they gave President Clements on how to give a hug. <laughs> most <laughs> funniest thing, probably like that happened on my mission, and just hearing them explain because you've hugged President Clements, it's like hugging a telephone pole. Like, it's like <laughs> he doesn't get it, and like it's just nothing gives him. He just doesn't get it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so funny. But like, yeah, man, I yeah, uh, I love that guy. You know, hanging out with him now that I've waxed a little bit more bold. I will always ask him very casual questions whenever I'm around him. And I love it. I love it because it puts him a little bit out of his element. I'm not trying to terrorize him, but but humanize him and let him know that I think about him as a person. Cause I think, I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not inside the guy's head, but he is like a role model to a lot of people, which I'm sure is very gratifying, but also incredibly exhausting. Oh yeah, and I'm like President Clements. I think you need to know that you have permission to be a human. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to be like not a human. And so, anyways, I try and I try and tease him now. I would never do that as a missionary. You know, that that feels a little, at least for me. You know, it feels like a little disrespectful because there is kind of a militant, yeah, part of the mission, which I think just comes with the territory. But now that I'm a civilian. I love to I love to push him a little bit because yeah. I love the guy and I want that level of a relationship with him. Yeah. You know, it's like, look, we got the spiritual thing. We got the spiritual thing. We got the business thing. Like we're yeah. we're good, president. Let's <laughs> yeah. just be buds now. You know, let's figure out how to just be buds. <clears throat> I most of my relationship with him is like first and foremost through his wife. And so like Sister Clements is like my so it always starts a little more casual than especially on the mission but um yeah i'm just gonna my computer's not plugged in i'm gonna plug it in before it dies oh yeah yeah yeah. no worries um next time you see president clements uh you should ask um uh you should ask him about a time he received how should i phrase this um, asking about one of the most interesting revelations he received um, about a sister missionary, um, and just tell him Elder Carter asked you to ask him that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I am dying to know the answer to that question. Yeah. He received some very specific and impro- like revelation to give a sister missionary when he told me that. I literally was like, you are an idiot. Like, you have five daughters. How do you not know that you can't say that? But um, but it, it miraculously was exactly what needed to be said. And so just ask him about that. Like, uh, he tells <laughs> everybody good way, too, because you can tell it's just so, so. <laughs> and I'm going to give your video a second just to catch up. It's being a little jumpy, so I just want to see if it'll okay. stabilize here. I wonder if plugging it in would be fine. As you pause for a second too, but you've caught up on my end. Okay. Okay, perfect. So um just because it broke up, I'm gonna say what I what I heard. It was ask President Clements. This is everyone has to do this. Ask President Clements <laughs> about uh specific uh, revelation. The no, what did you say? The weirdest? What kind of revelation? Yeah, you can phrase it. Yeah, probably the probably the weirdest revelation. The weirdest revelation he ever 
received about a sister missionary. <laughs> oh, I'm dying to find out. <clears throat> Elder Carter told me to ask. He said, I need to know. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so we're, we're, uh, let's see. we're, we're, not that we have a time we can we can go over but we're coming up here on an hour and a half so i wanted to ask you the last question the big question and naturally we've touched on this some in our call um but i'd like mm -hmm. to hear more about it and that is what what does spirituality religion life's purpose meaning you know what what is life you know what what is what is the stuff that matters? What are the things you're thinking about and striving for in, in the realm of meaning, you know? Yeah, I, um, um, for me, the, the, and, and like the church does hit on this a lot more these days than it has in the past, in my opinion. But, um, to me, the biggest thing is like being able to receive personal revelation like that's been like i've and I, i've always like known that and understood that to a certain extent but like i'm learning more and more like how important that is like like i don't i don't i don't care like who you are i don't care where like what you're telling me if i feel inspired and it like like i i know what it feels to me to be inspired and to receive revelation if i feel that that's how i can know the truth if you think right now, knowing truth is a thing we people talk about a lot. Like, but for you to know truth in your life, being able to receive personal revelation from, it, it, assuming you know you still be, you believe in a God uh, that loves you, being able to receive information from Him, is so important. And that that's like to me, that's like the threshold. That's like the foundation, the top part, and then things come along after that. Um, and so in my life, especially recently, it's been, what does God want me to do? Mm. What does God think about what I want to do? Like when I take things to him and striving to believe and trust that he'll give me information and that I can rely on that, you know, in, information and, and inspiration. Um, for me, that's the biggest foundation. Um, and I, and I'm still very involved in the church. And actually I, I've been thinking about this too. Like, I feel like Kalen is having like a hard time with like his specific area. Like you can tell he still has very much of a very strong testimony and he's living his life, you know, how he feels he should. Um, he's, he's receiving revelation and stuff like that, but like, he kind of has a bad taste in his mouth about like the low, and I don't mean to call him out, but that's like who I'm remembering and maybe everybody else watched that. But like, I, when I watched that, it it really like rang true to me and i'm like i've been thinking this forever like for a very long time especially right after the when i saw all these missionaries who were great missionaries and now they were just like the same person but some are salesy and they just kind of sucked mm. as a human in my opinion like, wait yeah. a minute what what did they miss like i realized like the church and the structure a lot of times comes before the inspiration and the revelation um and so so like i like really it, like kind of rang true to me and as I've been thinking about that, um, I realize how important it is to be able to receive that personal inspiration and revelation, because then the church makes so much more sense as a structure. Um, and obviously, this is my opinion, but like, 
like if you're if you're following along like i i this is my first time doing this but if you're following along with come follow me we're doing the doctrine and covenants um i actually recently read the first saints book too and i'm realizing like i needed to like lose my testimony in the church and what i thought it was and i need to gain a testimony of what it really is kind of thing and for a while i understand the church isn't that important like the important part is knowing what God wants me to do and doing what he wants me to do right. But then the church like is supposed to add to that, right? But now like as I'm restudying this, I'm regaining um, my testimony and like what the priesthood is and what mm. the structure is there for and what our covenants are. And like, I'm like, oh dang, the church is so important. And like, and, and like, I personally don't believe it is for everybody. I think people have different callings here on earth. And I know in standard church culture that's a little faux pas to say but i you know again what god tells you is what god tells you okay even if god tells you to do something crazy or illegal i'm sure there's there's a reason for that and it's not my job to figure it out like you do what i'm always going to say do what god tells you to do don't listen to me first right um but if they, like obviously if you're going to then hurt me and my family i will you know defend myself but anyways, <laughs> um, yeah but, but like the church is so important in the theme of things and like if you if you do believe in the church a lot of people say well anybody who actually believes in the church believes everyone's gonna have to either eventually accept the church or not be in the celestial kingdom right it's like mm, I, don't, I don't know what they're gonna have to accept is god and his power and his priesthoods um the name of the church right now is the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints it's jesus christ church of the latter days like run by the latter-day saints in essence, it's designed to not be perfect. Um, and like if you the, like if you read certain things early in church history, like it was meant to be that way the whole time. Like nowhere does Christ actually profess, profess like this is my perfect church and everyone has to do what's in it or else you can't live with me. He's given people inspiration, revelation, and he's called people to leadership and they're trying their best just like everybody else. And like if that's how you look at it. It's like, oh. I'm allowed to have a problem with things that go on in church. I'm allowed to be like, from what God's told me, that part of the church doesn't make sense. Um, and I know it's a lot easier said than done with certain issues. Um, and I totally understand. I'm not saying everyone should think like me and act like me. But if you if you are trying to receive revelation, you can be confident in whatever you do. Like, people suck. Like, who gives the crap what they think of you? Like, do what you need to do. And if, if what you need to do means you can't have a good relationship with the church right now, like, I hope you're confident in God that you trust having a good relationship with him is the first part before having a good relationship with the church. Even if you believe in all the priesthood and all the covenants and you have all the good feelings about that, still trust, like, what God tells you first. Like, trust that first and foremost. And that that's, like, me. That's, like, where I'm at with things and what i feel like i've been led to for a very long time um, and i hope like anything that i do anytime i talk to anybody like you know if they're looking for inspiration i hope that's what i can like help nudge people for it's like guess what? god loves you and he's perfect so talking to him is way better than talking to anybody else or listening to anybody else or doing anything else just start there and like you can't go wrong like you'll be led in the right way and um so yeah so my life Yes, my life's purpose is that. For me, it does involve the church heavily, uh, I'm, and I feel good about that. But I also like my favorite thing to do is to to talk to people 
who know I'm heavily involved in the church and who aren't. And then for them to realize like how much I love, I love what they're doing when they're trying to, you know, follow God. Like if you're trying to follow God and, and you're away from the church, I feel like you've probably received a lot more direct revelation than a lot of people in the church. <laughs> a lot of people yeah. are just doing it on app. And so if you like know you're following God and you're away from the church, keep it going. Just do it. Just do what God tells you because he loves you so much. Um, but I also suggest to everybody, ask about the church stuff. Ask about all of it. That's like, especially as a missionaries, that's really all we were supposed to do. Just ask. God's going to tell you. He's going to tell you what you need to do. Um, all I can do is say what he's told me and how I figure that out and hopefully inspire you to figure out from him what it is you need to do. And so, um, anyways, I do like, I'm gaining a really stronger testimony and the church and its purpose and the priesthood and the importance of, you know, being obedient. Um, but where I receive what to be obedient from is a lot less of follow the prophet and a lot more of, you know, I follow the, I follow what the prophet said because God told me to, not because he, not because the prophet told me to, but because God told me to. And if God hasn't told you to do that, don't do it. <laughs> like, if he has the else for you to do, do that, whatever that is, man. <laughs> um, so yeah, anyways, that. That's a lot of it, uh, where I'm at with it. And, um, um, and yeah, it all, and what that's for me too is, is I also have a very, um, I have a need to try to not be like anybody else. Like, I hate being like other people. I want to be me and nobody else. <laughs> and I don't know why that is, but I've always been that way. And, uh, sometimes when I'm at church and stuff, and I still do this, like, in my calling, sometimes I, I'm, I know that if they're like the state president and bishops knew what I was thinking doing a lot of church meetings, they would be like, maybe we shouldn't trust you with your calling, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, so, but they don't. And you know, sometimes I do things and I can tell it's, uh, you know, I, I'm still shocking sometimes, but no one's tried to punish me yet. So I, I think I'm doing the church stuff. Okay. And I know that I'm trying to do what God wants. And I know, and like they're just. And I don't know how this has been with your life, and especially as you've been married and stuff. But for me, when I've like gone down to it, I've been like, "Hey, I know I need to do something or do uh, figure this out. I'm gonna do. Um, I'm gonna do just exactly whatever it is you're gonna tell me to do. What should I do here?" And there are times where it's like super fast, super direct revelation. And I think that can happen for everybody. Like, I think that that is how it can work for everybody. And I'm not, I'm not going to tell anybody how they should feel about it or how it comes or, you know, what method or anything. But I've had some pretty crazy experiences in my life that I didn't know, like ever think or plan on having. And it was because I got to the point where it's like, I know I need to do something and I want to do what God wants me to do. And it came, and and I personally believe it's because he loves me, and he's he was waiting for me to ask and be ready, and I was ready, and he gave it to me. So, if you're ready for direction, just start asking, man. It'll come. And that was that was great. That was great to hear all of that. Um, and I just wanted to say it's uh, just a big a big ditto. It was funny. Just a lot of stuff you you said um, about not everyone needing to be in the church, kind of a drive to be different from others. A lot of the things you said, I, I resonate on 
with at a personal level, you know? And uh, so that was really fun for me to hear um, someone like-minded. And I, I, I don't have anything to add to that. Just, just a big, just a big amen, you know? Cause I think what you're saying ultimately is, is follow, follow your heart, follow the spirit, follow God, you know, live intentionally because um, nowhere worth going, you know, is, is going to be paved by, by someone else. You know, you've, you've got to be the captain of your ship if you're going to have meaning in your life. And, and church, you know, official church is just a leg, a flavor, a piece of your journey to become like God, you know? And it's mm -hmm. terrifying when some people prioritize man through the church over God, you know? And so I, I, I agree. And it took me some time to figure it out when some people I think really highly of who I think are intelligent and did the homework and didn't just read, you know, cause I've, I've got, I know several people who read like a piece of anti-Mormon literature. And then they were like, the church isn't perfect. I'm out. And I'm like, gosh, if you were expecting the church to be perfect, you should have left a long time ago. Like it's, it's sucked since the beginning. Like there's, it's, it's been an imperfect organization forever. But people who understood that and still chose to leave and it still like puzzled me. And so it took me some time to just realize like, you know what? Like they're, they're trying to, to find truth. They're trying to live intentionally. And if that takes them out of the church temporarily or forever, um, just like you said, so long as they're really trying to do something of merit, right? It's not a decision made by laziness or a decision made by, um, you know, appetite, right? You know, whether it's, whether it's lust or power or greed or, or even just being a contrarian, you know, I think there is something to that of, oh, I'm so different. I'm so intelligent because I'm not like the other people you know what i mean like there's a real pride there that i i myself can struggle with from time to time um but when they're really doing it with with a pure with pure intent right um yeah. it's 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 taking them somewhere worth going and god is god is going to give to that person whatever they need to to further their journey you know yeah. Yeah. And I think something that I, I wish somebody had talked to me a little bit more about earlier in life. Um, or, well, and honestly, people talk to me early enough about earlier than a lot of people, but, um, if you're looking at the church and you're struggling with things, the church has done, like, I don't think anybody should feel bad about that. I think they should, I think that's a normal feeling to have. Um, and the two things I would say to that is first and foremost, if you go back to the very beginning, one of the first things that is told to Joseph Smith is his name would be had for good and for evil. And I think in the church, a lot of times we're like, oh, yeah, people won't believe the stuff he did or whatever. And like, you know, I think what it is, is nowhere does it say any of that evil stuff is going to be false. Yeah. Like God didn't say like your name is going to be had for good or for evil. And, you know, you're going to do all the good stuff, but people will still hate you. It's like, no, you're going to do bad stuff. 
And, the, and in some context, you're going to do some awful stuff. Mm. But if you're going to follow me, I'll, you'll be saved. You'll be in my hands kind of thing. And that, that's how I read it and interpret it. Um, but if anybody is really struggling with the church and, and you, you kind of mentioned this, like, you know, trusting in man, a lot of times people, they trust in man and that's why they're in the church or they trust in man and that's why they're out of the church. Um, yeah. Look back in church history and read the things that specifically only are only things that God told the church leaders. Only read the revelations that came from God. Don't read like just the works and what they did and what they said, but read what they said and thus saith the Lord, or God told me this, or this was a revelation. Read those things and give those things the merit because it's a lot easier to be like, Heavenly Father, did you say that? As opposed to Heavenly Father, is, is it bad that so-and-so did this and this? When like, like, just say, Heavenly Father, did you say that? Like, that's so much easier to receive revelation on. And it, and it in my mind, holds way more weight than anything else. And so but, and keep your eyes on your own work too, is kind of what you're saying. Yeah. Like it's, it's not really that productive to attack the character of, of these people in the past. Take yeah. the good stuff. You know, if there, if there's good stuff for them to, that they've said, I mean, even it, I was watching this really fascinating video and it was talking about really intelligent people who have said really stupid stuff. Yeah. And so okay. there was like some guy who made all these discoveries about molecules and atoms and stuff and won like two Nobel Peace Prizes. And then he had this really insane, like wrote like five books about how if you take if you take vitamins, you you it'll cure cancer and you'll live forever. And you know, <laughs> just like these crazy like yeah. witch doctor claims. Yeah. And what do you do? You just say, well, then what he said about molecules is wrong too. No, his research was right. And it's been built on, you know, but you you don't discredit the man's work because of his flaws. And and I love this phrase. I think, I mean, tell me what you think about, about this. But I heard this, I think maybe on like a Joe Rogan podcast or something like that. But they were talking about Elon Musk and they said, I think that guy will be a net good on the universe. Yeah. And I thought that was so fast. Like, and I was like, yeah, I want to be a net good. I don't want to not do something bad ever. Like, I think that's a bad goal to say, I never want to make any mistakes and I want to be a neutral. No. I, I want to be a net good. I want to go and make, make mistakes and do good stuff and do a whole combination of everything, be known for evil, be known for good, you know, but ultimately have more good than bad, you know? It's the parable of the talents, right? Don't bury your talents. Don't try to just not do something bad. Go out and do something good and maybe accidentally do something bad because you're trying to do something good. That's that's a noble cost, you know? Yeah. In my mind, like I, I love getting to know people and seeing how they handle their mistakes. Like to mm -hmm. me, that's the vulnerable part of a person. How do you handle yourself and your interactions with others when you screw up that right there you can tell so much more about a person in that moment than you can at their best moment than you can at any other time in their life in my opinion and that's how in my honestly that's how i measure myself like when i in, in my mistakes how did i handle them and like that's how i measure like, where i'm at with me and how good i feel about myself and, and where i'm receiving mm -hmm. inspiration i think 
That is profound. Can I steal that from you? That's that's really something I want to remember because you're totally right. The times when I hate myself are the times I make the most excuses for my mistakes. And the times yeah. I, I actually like myself is, is when I can just say, yeah, I made a mistake. And yeah. I learned something from it. And it was worthwhile. And I'm not less of a person because of it. Yeah, I, I think that's like, really profound. Yeah, because if you trust your intentions, you can trust that even if I make a mistake, it, it doesn't define me. Uh, yeah. I can still continue to be, I don't have to try to hide me because I know what my intentions were. And then sometimes I, I've gotten to the point where even when my intentions are bad, like I can still just tell people like straight to their face. I don't care. Like, so you can get, you, there's the other end of the spectrum for you there. Uh, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, man, I just, well, I just, I love this. I love this, this format, this platform, like, this has been this has been really helpful to me to listen to these other people and and like you we've talked about it a lot you've talked about it a lot with other uh, other missionaries how like people feel different about this mission compared to a lot of the missions around the world and that yeah. this has been super helpful for for me to be a little more um, introspective on my life and then like how I view things and I, I've I've really enjoyed this and I, it's helped me kind of like what you said you I can you asked if you could steal that it's helped me put a lot of words to a lot of feelings I've had that I, I haven't been able to put words to. And so I appreciate, especially all the people that have, have gone already, like how open you've all been so far. It's like, I love it. I love every minute of it. Absolutely. Well, and I've, I've got to just say it was inspired, right? The fact that everybody, you know, not, not that everyone's saying the same stuff, but there's similar tones and it's so open and productive and, you know what I mean? Like the conversations have been so healing, you know, even not, not that I would say I'm, I, I myself feel super injured, but it still is really healing. And I'm, and I've heard from other people who, you know, were struggling more that it's been really productive for them. And so I've got to just chalk that up that it, it was inspired because everybody's doing pretty much the same stuff. Like I, I didn't know what would happen. You know, I just felt like I really needed to do it. So I needed to go for it. Um, and I was worried some people would get on and, you know, it would just be stiff, but every yeah. conversation has been so lively, so vulnerable, you know, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's been awesome. And I think the world needs, needs more of this, you know, my, my wife uh, finally started listening to him this week and uh, she was just like, oh, this is so great because it is, it's, we don't have this open, vulnerable dialogue very much as people, but let yeah. alone the, the church, especially where it's like, I need to be a great example of an unwavering person. It's like, no, that doesn't help anyone except for yourself. You know, yeah. this is the kind of stuff that really helps. And so, yeah, I've been so tickled. I, I, I've loved doing it. I've loved how eager everyone's been to hop on. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's been, it's been great. I feel like everyone I've talked to feels like they're winning, which is great. That, that, that's a good thing, right? When everyone feels like they're getting something positive out of it, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, I second everything you said and I, I agree with all of them, all of those people.
all the things. I like them all. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I'm going to turn off uh, the recording, if you don't mind staying on. Is there anything else you want to say or plug uh, before we wrap it up? Um, the biggest, the, the only thing I'd like to say is that if anybody is interested in trying some flips or anything, let me know. I, I get so much joy out of seeing people. To be honest, I like seeing people like fall on their face sometimes. That's fun for me, but I get the most joy out of seeing people do stuff they didn't think they could do. So if you have an inkling for it and you're a relatively healthy person, um, don't hesitate to ask me. I'd love to set up a time to, you know, meet or meet with anybody anywhere and, and try to teach some cool stuff. Um, also, if anybody, and, and this, I'm guessing this is probably not going to affect anybody, but if, if anybody does want to talk, if there's anything I said that you'd want to ask questions about or, or, you know, maybe, you know, correct me on, especially correct me on, um, let me know anytime. I love talking to people. I love talking to everybody. Just reach out to me any way you can, Facebook, Instagram. If you can find my phone number, I don't care. Give me a call. Like I'm all about it. Save Travis's neighbor. His neighbor is trying to stay warm and Travis is just talking to him while he's trying to take the trash out. Travis needs people to talk to. <laughs> yeah. And my wife uh, gets scared to death every other day because I take the trash out. And it takes me like 45 minutes and I never bring my phone <laughs> because I die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. Stay on um, and goodbye to the studio audience. Bye, audience. Love you.